0: The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, PO Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace.
1: This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March Design broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. Good morning. It's my great blessing to be able to speak to you in this way. If you're a returning listener, we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone. And if you've never heard that message, then it is my blessed privilege to be able to share that with you this morning. Salvation by grace alone just simply means that God accomplished our salvation himself, by himself within himself as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And there's nothing left in our eternal salvation to do. We are the blessed recipients of that glorious covenant that was entered into by the triune God before the foundation of the world. And we should rejoice and praise him for the great blessings that he has bestowed upon us. We invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church, where we rejoice weekly in the message of salvation by grace alone. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. Our website is Bethlehempbc.org. That's Bethlehempbc.org. I would love to hear from you. It's very encouraging to know that you are listening. You can write to me. The snail mail address is given on the outro as we conclude here today. But also, I would love to hear from you by email if you can reach out to me that way. The email address is tim com. That's com. We'll hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God.
2: Let us sing our i
1: I want to speak to you this morning, again, about the basics. We've been working our way down in the book of Romans, beginning in the 8th chapter and the 28th verse. I've said this many times, and I want to say it again, that so many of God's children have heard Romans eight twenty-eight, but they've never heard verse 29 and 30 and on down. The context of Romans eight twenty-eight is found in verses 29 through 30. And this is what it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. Notice how it continues and flows so smoothly. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Several weeks ago, we began a series on the basics, and we pointed out that you can know exactly how the Apostle Paul and the other apostles, the manner in which they taught the people that they experienced These things with in the book of Acts, you read in the 20th chapter where the apostle Paul declares to them that during the three years that he spent with those folks there at the city of Ephesus, where a church was established, he says, I I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. He says, I taught you all things. I showed you all things. He says, I declared unto you all the counsel of God so we can conclude that Paul's manner was to give them everything they needed. And by the way, he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the things that he wrote down in Romans and what was written in the book of Acts was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we can trust that completely. Paul didn't leave anything out. So when he writes back to them later in the letter to the Ephesians, which was probably eight or ten years later, he says, Remember when I was with you. So we know the manner in which he taught them. He didn't leave anything out. He didn't forget anything and write back later and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot to tell you this or that. And so those several years later when he writes back, you can know exactly what he taught them in the first messages that he presented to them. And you'll find that truth listed there in Ephesians, the first chapter here in Romans, the eighth chapter. And he says the first things that he taught them were these basics that I'm sharing with you. And the very first basic that he taught them was the depravity of man, the fact that God looked down through time and saw through Adam's fall that no man would come to him. No man, woman, or child would accept him, would let him into their heart. You see, man was in a terrible condition, and that is exactly why God made the first move. And the first move that he made, the purpose of God before the world was even formed, when he looked down through time and saw what Adam would do, and beforehand saw that all of mankind would go astray in Adam and never even move in any direction whatsoever towards God, never even have a desire towards God, and not even realize they needed a desire towards God. And so God saw that, and God made the first move, and that first move, was that he foreknew a people. He set his love upon a vast number of people out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. And he bestowed that love upon them, and he showed it, demonstrated it by predestinating them, setting their destination. Because they could not set their destination, because they could not change their destination of the lake of fire, God changed it for them. God set their destination as heaven instead of hell. You see, understanding that no man ever would make it to heaven by their own choice is so essential. It's a basic. There's not a little bit of good in every man. There's not some little hint or spark of goodness there that if it'll just get ignited by the Holy Spirit, well, then maybe that person will be saved or make a choice for the Lord. No, the Lord saw, in Romans the third chapter, we're told this, in Psalms the 14th chapter, we're told that the Lord saw that no one would come to him. That's a basic fundamental understanding from the scripture. That's the basics that the Apostle Paul taught first. That was his manner. And then we see, as I've already said, that God, because no one would come to him, that he foreknew them and he predestinated them. And last week we talked about the fact that he calls them. He borns them again. He regenerates their dead heart sometime in their lifetime from conception unto death. We saw the examples of how that occurs, of how a baby in the womb like John the Baptist or Jeremiah could be born again by God's design, God's touching them like the wind blows where it chooses, God's sovereign in reaching out and touching the heart of that child in the womb if he chooses to. We also saw how a man in his prime, like the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul of Tarsus, was born again while he was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians. He didn't accept Christ. He didn't let him into his heart. God didn't ask permission. God just went in and saved that man. He borned him again. That's the calling. And then we saw how a thief on the cross at the end of his life, who was about to die just a few hours from his death, who had lived a life of crime and shame and misery and bringing reproach upon all those in his family. And yet the Lord sovereignly touched that thief near the end of his life and gave him life. One moment he was cursing Christ, the next moment he's praising his name. You see, these are the basics. These are the fundamentals. And the next fundamental that we come to, as we read here in Romans the 8th chapter, the things that God is doing for the benefit of his people. He is foreknowing, he has predestinated, and it says he will call them sometime in their lifetime. And now we read this. Whom he called them, he also justified, oh, this is so important; this focuses entirely on the work of Jesus Christ, that he has justified us. I heard one old writer said that it is just as if I had never sinned that 's what justified means. It means to be declared innocent. How in the world can a bunch of wicked sinners who have depravity in their heart and wickedness in their heart and they're dead in their sins? How can they be declared innocent when they are clearly guilty? And by the way, when the Spirit borns again a child of God, it brings that child of God to the recognition that they are in need of being declared innocent. They realize they're guilty because the Spirit writes that in their heart, that you are guilty in your sins. And there is one who has spared you from the punishment of that guiltiness, and it is Jesus Christ. He has justified his people. It means to be declared innocent, one who is guilty being declared innocent. I've used this example before, but think of someone that you love dearly that's lived a good life and they're a godly person, and then think of the worst murderer that you could ever come up with. What about the recent person who murdered those 17 Children down there in Florida. Think about the Charles Manson or the Hitler. Think about the worst murderer that you know is guilty. They've admitted that they're guilty and they're set to be executed. They're there before the bar of justice. No question. They're guilty. And here comes in this innocent person that you love. Maybe it's your grandmother, your mother, a dear friend that's always dealt straight with you and always been honest and helped you out. And all of a sudden, that dear friend, that dear relative that you know is a wonderful, God-fearing, godly person, and they walk in at the moment of execution and say, wait, I will take the place of that guilty, convicted, confessing murderer. Can you imagine how you would feel? That just doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem right. Well, I tell you, it's not fair, and we're not dealing with fairness here We're dealing with mercy because the only one that has ever been truly just, the only just one is Jesus Christ. He never thought anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. He never said anything wrong. I hope you'll notice that in the scripture there was a lot of controversy stirred up by this just one just by being just, by never doing anything wrong, by always calling the shots the right way. God has never done anything wrong. He is completely innocent. Think about how many people shake their fist at God today. Why is God doing this? Why has he done this to me? When Nine times out of ten, he probably hadn't done it to you. Because of this wicked world and this tragic world that we live in, and things work against the child of God in this world, I want you to know that God is working for the child of God. And the great things that God has done for the child of God began to occur before the world was even formed, when God set his love on the people, declared where they would be, and regardless of what this life does to them or how it affects them, they are going to be there because God is on the side of his children. It doesn't mean that they may not have a rough time here in this life. They may reap what they sow. They may be even chastised by God for disobedience. But there is nothing that can take away the fact that Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago hung there, paid for the sins of his people, and declared them to be innocent. How? Through his righteousness. This is so important to understand. It's not through our righteousness that we are declared innocent. You know, back over in the book of John that we've referred to many times, it has some of the basic teachings there so simple so easy to understand right out of the mouth of jesus in john 6 and verse 38 jesus tells us for i came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me well what could that possibly be well i'm glad you asked because here he says it and this is the father's will which hath sent me that of all which he hath given me i should lose nothing but should raise it up again at the last day. Do you notice what Jesus said? Jesus said, the ones that I declared innocent will always be innocent, and I will raise them up at the last day. He didn't say, I will lose the ones that don't choose me, I will lose the ones that don't accept me, or I will lose the ones that never persevered or never held on the way. No, he says, I will lose nothing of those that God has chosen before the world was formed, that multitude out of every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. He said, I will lose nothing. That's the power of Christ, you see? In Matthew 1 and 21, it says, He shall save his people from their sins. So either he did that or he didn't. And how did he save them from their sins? He went to the cross, and he declared them innocent by his own righteousness, by bearing their sins. Consider these verses of Scripture about justification. Romans, the third chapter, and verse 23 He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no exceptions from that. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. What he's saying there is that Jesus Christ was faithful. God understood that his son would get the job done. And God has set him forth to be a propitiation to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting? It is excluded. By what law or works? Nay, but by the law of faith. You see, we conclude that no man is justified by this. But Christ has declared his children just through his own blessed sacrifice. Now look with me the book of Galatians. You see, this is all throughout the scripture. In Galatians, the second chapter and the 16th verse, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. What that means is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ is what got it done. God knew before the world was formed that Jesus would be faithful to the promise that he made to pay for the sins of his people. So we are not justified by our works. We're not justified by our thoughts, our movement, our accepting, our acknowledging of Christ. We're not justified by those things. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at Titus, the third chapter. Let's read in verse 3 he says for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient deceived serving diverse lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy hateful and hating one another but after that the kindness and love of god our savior toward man appeared How? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, that's a reference to the new birth, and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, it was by his grace that we were declared to be just or declared to be innocent. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Peter, the first chapter, as we consider some verses from there. Verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain or empty manner of life, received by tradition from your fathers, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You see, the Lord has justified us, has redeemed us through the precious blood of Christ. Now consider this in 1 Peter 3, in verse 18, it says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. You see, we don't bring ourselves to God. We don't offer ourselves and get willing or get right with God by making ourselves internally right. No, it says that Christ brought us to God. We were declared innocent before God by Christ, by the work of Christ. It's not our work. It's so important to understand that. What was accomplished by Christ on the cross? Listen, look at 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter and the 21st verse. These are such precious verses of Scripture. One of my favorite verses of Scripture that gives us such insight to what the Lord did on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Listen to the simple language. For he hath made him, that's Christ, for God hath made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Can you picture that, child of God? On the cross, Jesus went to a place that he had never been to before, and Jesus became something that he had never been before, and praise God, will never be again. On the cross, as he was hanging there, he was made to be sin. That means he took our sins upon him. He bore our sins on him, as Isaiah, the 53rd chapter declares, and he was made to be sin. He was turned into something that he had never been before. He experienced things that he had never experienced before. That's why the agony was so great. Not only was he bearing the torture of wicked men who were doing what they were determined to do to him, but he was also bearing our sins on the tree. And he was suffering the wrath of God for those sins. You see, he was the perfect lamb of God. He was the perfect sacrifice. He's the only one that could get that job done. You and I couldn't hang there and do that. It would take us an eternity to pay for our sins, but it took Jesus Christ, that time on the cross there, to pay for our sins and suffer the wrath of God. He was made to be sin who knew no sin. He went to a place that he'd never been to before. He accomplished our salvation through the shedding of his blood. He remitted our sins. He paid for our sins by hanging there on that cross. He declared us to be just because he was just, the only just one. He was the righteousness of God, and in his righteousness, we are declared just. You see, you couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that. The preacher couldn't have done that. Mom and dad couldn't have done that. Only the Lord could have done that because he was the perfect sacrifice. And here's the beautiful part of it. I love this part. Whenever he died, do you know what died with him? When he cried out and he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You know what happened there when he dismissed his spirit from his body? He didn't dismiss those sins, too. He didn't eject those sins out into the air to be paid for again and to be brought back up again. No, those sins were on him. Those sins were in him. He was made to be sin who knew no sin. And when he died, praise God, when he died, those sins died with his body. His spirit lived on. His spirit went out and came back in three days and three nights later. And when he stepped out of the grave, when he came forth victorious from the grave, guess what? He didn't bring those sins back. He didn't resurrect those sins. No, those sins died with him, and his body was resurrected, in a glorious body never To die again, never to have to pay for those sins again. That's why in the book of Hebrews it says he paid for those sins once there in the end of the world. He paid for them one time, and he'll never pay for them again because they're done. It's over with. You see how important it is to understand how we are justified in Christ? It is just as if I had never sinned because of the work of Christ. I believe this will make us rejoice in those statements there in Romans 3 even more. He says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith or faithfulness of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, you can't boast in that. I can't boast in that. But we can boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can brag about him all day long. But I can't say I did it or I made some move and I did something to cause it to happen. I wasn't even there 2,000 years ago in physical form. My sins were there, though. Did you know that? Every bad deed I've ever done, every wrong thing I've ever committed was there laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he paid for it finally, fully, and completely. And we can rejoice in that, Oh child of God. If you've never heard this basic, I am so happy to share it with you. If you've never heard about the things that are working together for good to the ones that love God, to the ones that are called according to the purpose of God, if you've never heard that basic that you can't come to God, He has to come to you. If you've never heard that basic, that because you can't come to him, he came to you and foreknew you and set his love upon you. And he predestinated you. He set your destination to be conformed to the image of his son, to look like his son and have the inheritance prepared before the world was formed. And he's born you again. Your heart is convicted because he's put his spirit in your heart. And he declared you innocent on the cross because he took your sins upon him and was made to be sin who knew no sin. Paid for those sins on the cross, and when he died, those sins died with him. And when he comes back, he's not going to be bringing those sins back with him. Praise be to God. Oh, child of God, rejoice in these basics. These are the basic fundamental truths of the Word of God. May God bless us to rejoice in the fact that we have been declared innocent through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ.
0: You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, PO Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.